This is Rumble Radio and you are in for a treat if you go to the King's Hall on Thursday night in Ilkley uh, because there is going to be a fascinating evening uh, with the brilliant Cheery King and we can speak to her now, find out all about it. Professor Cheery King from BBC's DNA Family Secrets. Uh, hi to you. Hello. Tell us about your show that's going to be coming up on Thursday at the King's Hall in Ilkley. What, what kind of things are people going to be uh, finding out about if they come along? Okay, so I'm going to start at the very beginning because I was really lucky to work under the guy who invented DNA fingerprinting. So we're going to start with that and about how you can use DNA to identify yourselves and then about how DNA can help you with your family history. So I started off in the very early days of genetic genealogy. So it was using DNA fingerprinting on a piece of DNA known as the Y chromosome. So the Y chromosome comes down through the male line from father to son to son down through the generations, like our surnames. So the question for my PhD was, are all men alive today with the same surname? Are they all related to each other? Because if they are, they should all have the same Y chromosome. And David Attenborough took part in my study. He's like my poster boy, because if you look at Attenboroughs around the country, 90% of them have got identical or near identical Y chromosomes. Most of them are descended from a single Mr. Attenborough who lived a few hundred years ago. Then I'm going to go behind the scenes, gossipy behind the scenes tour of the Richard III project, and then into DNA Family Secrets. Series three goes out on Wednesday. This is a program I do with Stacey Dooley where we use DNA to help people trace long-lost family members, that kind of thing. In, in terms of who's doing this, you know, is it people who know a little bit about their past and think, well, I want to just kind of fill in these gaps, or is it people who know absolutely nothing? Both. The people who come to us on the program, sometimes they're adopted and they don't know anything about their ancestry, or they've been told something about their ancestry and... They, they just want to know if it's true. So Matthew is actually a really good example of this. So Matthew was on series two and he came to us, he was adopted and he had, knew his mom was white British and he had always been told that his dad was Jamaican, but he wasn't sure if that was just something that the you know social workers had told him. When I did his DNA, I was like, you are not Jamaican. Your biological father was from the Seychelles. So his DNA was this amazing mixture of like, France, English, bit of African, bit of Chinese, this kind of thing. And that's because the Seychelles started as kind of a trading nation. So you have people from all over the world. But we couldn't say anything about who his biological father was. But after I finished filming with him, before the program went out, suddenly somebody popped up on one of the DNA databases and I, I could trace his half-sibling. So I managed to find this chap, and it was really amazing because I was sort of chatting to him. I was like, oh, we're going to send, send you a photo of yourself. And when he came through, I was like, oh, my goodness, you look just like Matthew. It was amazing. So it was really nice. So they were able to film a little piece where Carl and Matthew said hello to each other, and the program goes out. Carl has no idea who his father is either, and the program goes out, and then somebody emails me and says, you know what, they look just like my cousin. My cousin has passed away. And I'm like, is there any relatives around? He said, well, his sister's still alive. So I was like, would she do a DNA test? So she did a DNA test and now they know who their biological father is. So that's the sort of thing that people come to us. They they either don't know anything about their ancestry or they might have taken a DNA test and found out that their biological parent isn't who they thought it was or that kind of thing. And then we have people like donor conceived who come to us and say, look, I, I just, I'd like to know something about my ancestry or even know who my donor parent is. And it's remarkably easy to do that 
these days. Mel from Series 2, she wanted to know who her donor dad was, and it took about 17 minutes to do the the analysis to work out that her dad must be one of two brothers. I suppose it's more accessible now, isn't it, using technology like this to trace our ancestors with programs like yours on the TV and various others. There's that desire there for people to find out about their past. Absolutely. So for it's for people who who either they, they, they know a bit and they would like to build out their family trees or understand a little bit more about their ancestry. The people who we get usually have got quite deep, lifelong questions and it's it's huge to be able to give people this information and i always feel massively privileged doing it because you can see kind of who they are sort of changes in front of your eyes they're processing and and it's this massive amount of information about i suppose who they are i mean it's really quite deep stuff you can do now with dna you know, in a couple of generations' time, it's going to be easy for people to trace their ancestors because we're all leaving this digital footprint on social media and online and various other places. But you go back a couple of generations, and it—you know—other than church records, there wasn't a, a lot of ways of, of of doing your family tree and, and kind of looking back to the past a few hundred years. So this really kind of spurs people on to, as you say, find out the, about the genetic makeup, but also want to find out about some more of their ancestors and what they were like and where they lived and what they did and those kind of things. Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's things like census records and this kind of thing. I mean, the first thing I always tell people, if they say, I, I want to do my start my family history, what should I do? But my first thing is, go talk to your older family members and do it right now. Because I swear to you, you will kick yourself that you didn't do it. The number of people who said to me, oh, I really wish I'd asked my grandmom, mom, dad, this kind of thing. Information, go and do that now. And there's such a wealth of information now that's out there in terms of you can go on websites like Ancestry and find my past and things like this, where it's amazing. You can you can do a search for a name and it'll pop up records and you can start to build your family tree. I mean, it's it's really incredible what you can do these days. And the DNA work that you obviously do, you know, the, with through the TV show and things like that, it, it's interesting. But the real significance is the projects you've worked on, such as you know helping to identify that those those remains did belong to King Richard the Third, and that is you know a moment in history now, uh, isn't it? In in terms of what you can achieve with this stuff. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, that was an incredible project to to be a part of. And yes, yeah, so, so what you do is you take the DNA from the remains. And it's the same as any kind of forensic case. So if someone's missing, you kind of go, okay, so if I go missing, they go, okay, so she's, you know, in her 50s and her, she's got brown hair and green eyes and she's this tall and this kind of thing. Same thing with Richard, right? Okay, so what do we know about him? So we know he's buried in the choir of the church, the Greyfriars. He's died in a battle. Shakespeare talks about him, about him being a bunched back toe. And there's one contemporary source that talks about him having one shoulder higher than the other. We know he was age 32 when he died, all that kind of stuff. So when we, we've uncovered the remains, and we have got the remains of somebody who's in the choir of the Church of the Greyfriars, age 30 to 34, the radiocarbon dates come back, right? He's got battle injuries, he's got severe scoliosis, and it's fine. DNA, you can add this to the pot now. So what you do is you take the DNA from the individual, and just like they're doing with things like victims of 9-11, they take DNA from these remains and they compare it against a known relative. Now, Richard left no known descendants. And anyway, it's been so many generations and the DNA that we carry is, is a mixture of just some of our ancestors. So what I had to do was I had to use pieces of DNA and, and there's two of them which are passed down through the generations in this really simple way. 
So one of those is mitochondrial DNA. So it's in the egg. So moms pass it down to all of their children, but only daughters pass it on. So Richard's got it from his mom, who also passed it to his eldest sister, Anne. He had a daughter. He had a daughter. Down through the generations. And so we had two living female line descendants, so a chap called Michael Ibsen and a lady called Wendy Doldig. <laughs> it's like, I can't believe her surname. It was a very exciting dig we were on, not Doldig at all. <laughs> but they were 14 cousins twice removed through the female line. So we're expecting that they're going to have identical or near identical mitochondrial DNA, and that should match the skeleton. And it did. Wow. So, yeah. Oh my goodness, I know how lucky I am to have been involved in that project. It's just amazing, really. And obviously people could come on your TV show, they could you know, pay a lot of money, but there, there are kind of simple ways people can use DNA testing to, to find out themselves. You know, there are kits you can kind of send back in the post and things, aren't there, these days? Absolutely, and, and I'm, I'm the first person to say there's a lot of just free help online. There's all kinds of Facebook groups and things like that, but things look like Ancestry 23 and Me. Those are the ones I say to go for first because they've got the biggest databases. And also, a bit cheaply, you have to pay to get a kit to go on them. <laughs> so if you can only do one, I always say do Ancestry, biggest database. But then what we do, and this is what I do on the program, is you download raw DNA data from those, your results, and then you can upload them to other databases around the world. And this maximizes the number of genetic matches that you get, and you can start to, these are your genetic relatives, so they're related to you somehow. So then it's the case of just building the family trees to see how you connect. It's quite fun, and it's something you can do with your kids or, you know, siblings and this kind of thing. You can start to build out this lovely big family tree and see how you're connected to all of these people. It's quite a fun hobby. What do you hope people who come along on, on Thursday night in Ilkley will kind of take away from, from coming and listening to you? Well, I'll, say I'll give a little behind-the-scenes gossipy stuff about the Richard III Project, but also some tips and tricks about things that you can do and how we do the work on DNA family secrets and, and how other people can use that if they want to also answer questions about their family history. Brilliant. Professor Cherry King is at the King's Hall in Ilkley, 7.30 on Thursday night. You can find all the details about how you get your tickets on our events guide at rumbledradio.com great to speak to you lovely to talk to you <laughs>